Chapter Two, Part Two, of the Life and Letters of Elizabeth Prentice, by George Prentice. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Teresa Downey. Chapter Two, Part Two. Miss Payson had been in Richmond but a short time before she became greatly endeared to Mr. and Mrs. Persico and to the whole school. She had a rare, natural gift for teaching. Fond of study herself, she knew how to inspire her pupils with the same feeling. Her method was excellent. It aimed not merely to impart knowledge, but to elicit latent powers and to remove difficulties out of the way. While decided and thorough, it was also very gentle, helpful, and sympathetic. She had a quick perception of mental diversities, saw as by intuition the weak and strong points of individual character, and was skillful in adapting her influence as well as her instructions to the peculiarities of everyone under her care. The girls in her own special department almost idolized her. The parents also of some of them, who belonged in Richmond and its vicinity, seeing what she was doing for their daughters, sought her acquaintance and showed her the most grateful affection. Although her school labors were exacting, she carried on a large correspondence, spent a good deal of time in her favorite religious reading, and together with Miss Susan Lord, the senior teacher and an old Portland friend, pursued a course of study in French and Italian. At the table Mr. Persico spoke French, and in this way she enabled to perfect herself in the practice of that language. Of her spiritual history and the incidents of her school life during the new year, some extracts from letters to her cousin will give her own account. Richmond, January 3, 1841. If I tell you that I am going to take under my especial care and protection one of the family, a little girl of eleven years, whom nobody can manage at all, you may wonder why. I found on my plate at dinner a note from Mrs. Persico, saying that if I wanted an opportunity of doing good, here was one, that if Nanny could sleep in my room, etc., it might be of great benefit to her. The only reason why I hesitated was the fear that she might be in the way of our best hours. But I have thought all along that I was living too much at my ease, and wanted a place in which to deny myself for the sake of the one who yielded up every comfort for my sake. Nanny has a fine character, but has been mismanaged at home, and since coming here. She often comes and puts her arms around me, and says, There is one in this house who loves me, I do know. I receive her as a trust from God, with earnest prayer to Him that we may be enabled to be of use to her. From morning to night she is found fault with, and this is spoiling her temper and teaching her to be deceitful. I have been reading lately from the memoir of Martin. I have, of course, read it more than once before, but everything appears to me now in such a different light. I rejoice that I have been led to read the book just now. It has put within me new and peculiar desires to live wholly for the glory of God. January 13th. I understand the feeling about wishing oneself a dog or an animal without a soul. I have sat and watched a little kitten frisking about in the sunshine till I could hardly help killing it in my envy. But, oh, how different it is now! I have felt lately that perhaps God has something for me to do in the world. I am satisfied, indeed, that in calling me nearer to Himself He has intended to prepare me for His service. Where that is to be is no concern of mine as yet. I only wish to belong to Him and to wait for His will, whatever it may be. January 14th. I used to go through with prayer merely as a duty, 
but now I look forward to the regular time for it, and hail opportunities for special sessions with such delight as I once knew nothing of. Sometimes my heart feels ready to break, for the longing it hath for a nearer approach to the Lord Jesus than I can obtain without the use of words, and there is not a corner in the house which I have to myself. I think sometimes that I should be thankful for the meanest place in the universe. You ask if I ever dream of seeing the Lord. No, I never did, neither should I think it desirable. But a few days ago, when I woke, I had fresh in my remembrance some precious words which, as I had been dreaming, he had spoken to me. It left an indescribable feeling of love and peace on my mind. I seemed in my dream to be very near him, and that he was encouraging me to ask of him all the things which I felt the need. January 17th. I did not mean to write so much about myself, for when I took out my letter I was thinking of things and beings far above this world. I was thinking of the hour when the Christian first enters into the joy of his Lord, when the first note of the new song is borne to his ear, and the first view of the Lamb of God is granted to his eye. It seems to me as if the bliss of that one minute would fully compensate for all the toils and struggles he must go through here, and then to remember the ages of happiness that begin at that point. Oh, if the unseen presence of Jesus can make the heart sing for joy in the midst of its sorrow and sin here, what will it be to dwell with him for ever? My Bible class, which consists now of eighteen, is every week more dear to me. I am glad that you think poor Nanny well off. She has an inquiring mind, and though before coming here she had received no religious instruction, and had not even a Bible, she is now constantly asking me questions which prove her to be a first-rate thinker and reasoner. She went to the theatre last night, and came home quite disgusted, saying to herself, I shouldn't like to die in the midst of such gaieties as these. She urged me to tell her if I thought it wrong for her to go, but I would not, because I did not want her to stay away for my sake. I want her to settle the question fairly in her own mind, and to be guided by her own conscience rather than mine. She is so grateful and happy that, if the sacrifice had been greater, we should be glad that we had made it. And then if we can do her any good, how much reason we shall have to thank God for having placed her here. February 11th. My thoughts of serious things should perhaps be called prayers rather than anything else. I have constant need of looking up to God for help. So utterly weak and ignorant am I, and so dependent upon Him. Sometimes in my walks, especially those of the early morning, I take a verse from the daily food to think upon. At others, if my mind is where I want it should be, everything seems to speak and suggest thoughts of my Heavenly Father, and when it is otherwise I feel as if that time has been wasted. This is not keeping the mind on the stretch, and is delightfully refreshing. All I wish is that I were always thus favoured. As to a hasty temper, I know that anybody who ever lived with me, until within the last two or three years, could tell you of many instances of outbreaking passion. I am ashamed to say how recently the last real tempest occurred, but I will not spare myself. It was in the spring of 1838, and I did not eat anything for so long that I was ill in bed and barely escaped a fever. Mother nursed me so tenderly that, though she forgave me, I never shall forgive myself. Since then, I should not wish you to suppose that I have been perfectly amiable, but for the last year I think I have been enabled in a measure to control my temper, but of that you know more than I do, as you had a fair specimen of what I am when with us last summer. 
It has often been a source of encouragement to me that everybody said I was gentle and amiable till my father's death, when I was nine years old. While reading tonight that chapter in Mark, where it speaks of Jesus as walking on the sea, I was interested in thinking how frequently such scenes occur in our spiritual passages over the sea, which is finally to land us on the shores of the home for which we long. While they were toiling and rowing, Jesus went to them upon the water, and would have passed by till he heard their cries, and then he manifested himself unto them, saying, It is I. And when he came to them, the wind ceased, and they wondered. Surely we have often found in our toiling that Jesus was passing by, and ready at the first trembling fear, to speak the word of love and of consolation, and to give us the needed help, and then to leave us wondering, indeed, at the infinite tenderness and kindness so unexpectedly vouchsafed for our relief. February 13th. I do not think we should make our enjoyment of religion the greatest end of our struggle against sin. I never once had such an idea. I think we should fight against sin simply because it is something hateful to God, because it is something so utterly unlike the Spirit of Christ, whom it is our privilege to strive to imitate in all things. On all points connected with the love I wish to give my Saviour, and the service I am to render him, I feel that I want teaching and am glad to obtain assistance from any source. I hardly know how to answer your question. I do not have that constant sense of the Saviour's presence which I had here for a long time. Neither do I feel that I love him as I thought I did. But it is not always best to judge of ourselves by our feelings, but by the general principle and guiding desire of the mind. I do think that my prevailing aim is to do the will of God and to glorify him in everything. Of this I have thought a great deal of late. I have not a very extensive sphere of action, but I want my conduct, my every word and look and motion, to be fully under the influence of this desire for the honor of God. You can have no idea of the constant observation to which I am exposed here. February 21st. I spent three hours this afternoon in taking care of a little black child belonging to the house, who is very ill, and as I am not much used to such things, it excited and worried me into a violent nervous headache. I finished Brainerd's life this afternoon, amid many doubts as to whether I ever loved the Lord at all, so different is my piety from that of this blessed and holy man. The book has been a favorite with me for years, but I never felt the influence of his life as I have while reading it of late. She alludes repeatedly in her correspondence to the delight which she found on the Sabbath in listening to that eminent preacher and divine, the Reverend Dr. William S. Plumer, who was then settled in Richmond. In a letter to her cousin, she writes, I have become much attached to him. He seems more than half in heaven, and every word is full of solemnity and feeling, as if he had just held near intercourse with God. I wish you could have listened with me to his sermons today. They have been, I think, blessed messages from God to my soul. All her letters at this time glow with religious fervor. How wonderful is our divine master, she seemed to always be saying to herself. It has become so delightful to me to speak of his love, of his holiness, of his purity, that when I try to write to those who know him not, I hardly know what is worthy of even a mention if he is to be forgotten. In several years afterwards, she refers to this period as a time when she shrank from everything that in the slightest degree interrupted her consciousness of God. The following letter to a friend, whose name will recur often in these pages, well illustrates her state of mind during the entire winter. 
to miss anna s prentice richmond february twenty sixth eighteen forty one your very welcome letter my dear anna arrived this afternoon and as my labors for the week are over i am glad of a quiet hour in which to thank you for it i do not thank you simply because you have so soon answered my letter but because you have told me what no one else could do so well about your own very dear self when i wrote you i doubted very much whether i might even allude to the subject of religion although i wished to do so since that almost exclusively has occupied my mind during the last year i saw you in the midst of temptations to which i have ever been a stranger but which i conceived to be decidedly unfavorable to the growth of any of the graces which make up christian character it was not without hesitation that i ventured to yield to the promptings of my heart and to refer to only the things which have at present much interest for it i cannot tell you how i do rejoice that you have been led to come out thus upon the lord's side and to consecrate yourself to his services my own views and feelings have within the last year undergone such an entire change that i wish that i could take now some such stand in the presence of all who have known me in days past as this which you have taken my first and only wish is henceforth to live but for him who has graciously drawn my wandering affections to himself you speak of the faintness of your heart but they who wait upon the lord shall renew their strength and i do believe the truth of these precious words not only because they are those of god but also because my own experience adds happy witness to them. I have lived many years with only just enough of hope to keep me from actual despair. The least breath was sufficient to scatter it all, and to leave me, fearful and afraid, to go over and over again the same ground, thus allowing neither time nor strength for progress in the Christian course. I trust that you will not go through years of such unnecessary darkness and despondency. There is certainly enough in our Saviour if we only open our eyes that we may see it to solve every doubt and satisfy every longing of the heart and he is willing to give it in full measure when i contemplate the character of the lord jesus i am filled with wonder which i cannot express and with unutterable desires to yield myself and my all to his hand to be dealt with in his own way and his way is a blessed one so that it is delightful to resign body and soul and spirit to him without a will opposed to his without a care but to love him more without a sorrow which his love cannot sanctify or remove in following after him faithfully and steadfastly the feeblest hopes may be strengthened and i trust that you will find in your own happy experience that joy and peace go hand in hand with love so that in proportion to your devotion to the saviour will be the blessedness of your life when i begin i hardly know where to stop and now i find myself almost at the end of my sheet before i have begun to say what i wish this will only assure you that i love you a thousand times better than i did when i did not know that your heart was filled with hopes and affections like my own and that i earnestly desire if providence permits us to enjoy any intercourse in this or any other way we may never lose sight of the one great truth that we are not our own i pray you sometimes remember me at the throne of grace the more i see of the saviour the more i feel my own weakness and helplessness and my need of his constant presence and i cannot help asking assistance from all those who love him oh how sorry i am that i have come to the end i wish i had any faculty for expressing affection so that i might tell you how much i love and how often i think of you her cousin having gone abroad a break in the correspondence with him occurred about this time and continued for several months in a letter to her friend miss thurston dated april twenty first 
She thus refers to her school. There are six of us teachers, five of them born in Maine, which is rather funny, as that is considered by most of the folks here as a place where the world comes to an end. Although the South lifts up its wings and crows over the North, it is glad enough to get its teachers there, and ministers too, and treats them very well when it gets them into the bargain. We have in the school about one hundred and twenty-five pupils of all ages. I never knew till I came here the influence of which early religious education exerts upon the whole future age. There is such a wonderful difference between most of these young people and those in the North that you might almost believe them another race of beings. Mrs. Persico is beautiful, intelligent, interesting, and pious. Mr. Persico is just as much like John Neal as difference of education and of circumstances can permit. Mr. N.'s strong sense of justice, his enthusiasm, his fun and wit, his independence and self-esteem, his tastes, too, as far as I know them, all exist in like degrees in Mr. Persico. The early spring, with its profusion of flowers of every hue, so far in advance of the spring of her native state, gave her the utmost pleasure. But as the summer approached, her health began to suffer. The heat was very intense, and hot weather always affected her unhappily. I feel, she wrote, as if I were in an oven, with hot melted lead poured over my brain. Her old trouble, too, organic disease of the heart, it was now suspected to be, caused her much discomfort. While writing, she says in one of her letters, I am suffering excruciating pain. I can't call it anything else. Her physical condition naturally affected more or less her religious feelings. Under the date of July 12th, she writes, the word conflict expresses better than any other my general state from day to day. I have seemed of late like a straw floating upon the surface of a great ocean, blown hither and thither by every wind, and tossed from wave to wave without the rest of a moment. It was a mistake of mine to imagine that God ever intended man to rest in this world. I see that it is right and wise in him to appoint it otherwise. While suffering from my Saviour's absence, nothing interests me, but I was somewhat encouraged by reading in my father's memoir, and in reflecting that he passed through far greater spiritual conflicts than will probably ever be mine. I see now that it is not always best for us to have the light of God's countenance. Do not spend your time and strength in asking for me that blessing, but this, that I may be transformed into the image of Christ in his own time, in his own way. Early in August, she left Richmond and flew homeward like a bird to its nest. End of chapter 2, part 2 of The Life and Letters of Elizabeth Prentice by George Prentice. Recording by Teresa Downey.